morning Zion this is the day the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it thank the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever you want to join us again as we continue to walk through this letter of Philippians we now come to the fourth chapter uh, in this letter getting close to the conclusion of this series in Philippians but as we prepare to uh, look into this text let us have a moment of prayer, a time of intercession, definitely for our community and our country uh, and our local church body. Uh, and then also asking God to give us uh, his wisdom uh, through the preaching and the teaching of his word. Uh, let us turn to our God. Mighty God, we are grateful for great is your love, great is your mercy towards us. Fill us up, O oh God, with your presence right now as you prepare to hear a word from you. And God, as we hear from you, guide us, Lord, how we can continue to serve our community in this of so much death, of so much trials and tribulations, so much uncertainty, so much anxiety. Help us, O oh God, to lead them to a place of faith and trust in you in the midst of so much right now. So we pray for those who are grieving, pray for those recovering from surgeries and procedures, and pray for those who are going through procedures. And God, we are grateful that you are wonderful. Your love is, is everlasting. And so may we continue to trust in you and help us to be the church uh, to continue to comfort our brothers and sisters, Lord, through your grace and mercy, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Zion members. You can continue to support, uh, send your offering to God uh, through online or through mail. Uh, we give God the glory and the honor for how you continue to give as he's has been able to bless you in these times. And so we just thank God for every gift, uh, for every blessing um, he pours upon us. Also, please, uh, those who received the email, amen, thank you for continuing to join us in Sunday school. Uh, we ask you to continue to join us uh, in that as we continue to try to grow uh, in God's ministry. And so getting into our text today, uh, Philippians uh, 4th chapter, I'm looking at verses 1. Uh, through seven, uh, and, and I'm going to read verses one through nine. I'll be reading from the New Living uh, Translation, and then we're going to uh, deal with this text and look at the words and exegete uh, this word of God, uh, so that may our hearts be lifted and be encouraged uh, by His word. Philippians four one says, "Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends." For you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Judea and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, verses 8 and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and how and from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Uh, praise God uh, for his word. So as we look at uh, this text, we want to uh, unpack this instruction and, and commands he gives to the church. And I'm going to highlight for us. Uh, basically how we ought to be prayerful and not anxious to discover God's peace. And times like we are right now, there's so many stressors in our lives. Stressors are something uh, that causes strain or tensions, and stressors can also place burden on our relationships. Um, and then another term of anxiety, uh, anxiety is feeling worry and uh, concern. Different things in our lives cause stress and anxiety in our life. And think about how someone having stress in their life right now because uh, they're unhappy with their job. Um, or they're having because of work cuts, they're doing more on their job and have a heavy workload and more responsibility, but not more pay. Um, working these long hours and still trying to take care of your children while there is a lack of daycare and school. Uh, sometimes it might be our own cause of having poor management or unclear expectations of our work and not getting the progress that we want to see. Working under dangerous conditions is stressing. We see many people walking out on jobs because of the lack of PPE and, and the lack of support from their superiors and work or other entities to help su su submit to them the, the quality equipment they need to feel secure uh, on their job. Being insecure about your chance of, of advancing in your job or even being insecure about am I going to be safe at my job in the midst of COVID-19, and also, am I going to lose my job because of COVID-19? Um, and then sometimes people have stress and, 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 and anxiety, just right, just how to give speech or public speaking um, or facing discrimination or har harassment at work uh, because of your race, ethnicity, and gender are stressors uh, to deal with. And then not only these are the stresses that you deal with in your social daily lifestyle, but also stress, stresses that come because of life still going on, regardless of you having to go to work, regardless of you having to supply for your children, regardless of you trying to advance and improve your quality of life, you still got to deal with it as a death of a loved one or having these stressors that are impacting your work life is now impacting your life that you might be going through a divorce or you suffer the loss of your job or you have increased financial obligations by children or responsibilities that might have come 
or you plan to get married. Now COVID-19 has come on and these additional stresses you're having on or you're moving into a new home and new financial responsibility or you're dealing with a chronic illness or injury that's coming upon you. And then not only that, that anxiety can be an emotional problem and people are being treated for of having forms of anxiety or having low self-esteem or overwhelming of grief and depression. Um, and, and sometimes you have additional stresses of being a caretaker uh, and trying to take care of the elderly or a sick family member. And then traumatic events and natural disasters uh, and violent acts that might have come against you can, can cause stressors and issues upon our lives. So just think about it for a moment that not only in our current state of life right now, we're dealing with the pandemic of COVID-19. We're dealing with the social awakening and the arrest of the social injustice inequalities that are being reflected and, and now being spotlighted in our community. But also we're dealing with that we have life still going on, that people are still fighting cancer, people are still fighting hypertension, people are still fighting diabetes and, and suffering heart attacks and strokes. And so all these things are still going on. And yet I'm not secure in my job. I don't know if my children are going to be in school. I do not know if I have adequate daycare. I don't even know if I'll be able to pay for these events. I, I don't know if I'll be able to stay in my apartment, in my home. And so these are stressors, anxieties that are real in our life. And how can we handle this? How can we deal with this? And this is what we want to talk about today, that we want to find ways that I can empower myself and strengthen myself, that I will have endurance and have some kind of sense of hope of knowing that regardless of what I'm going through, there's a God that knows what I'm going through. And so know that God is peace and place your faith in him who can keep you in times of such of stress and uncertainty. Paul is giving these practical instructions now in the, in the conclusion of his letter. And these instructions are to guide the church to peace and trust in God and to live in a community, a beloved community, a Christian community, and being examples of Christ uh, as they continue to walk. And he also encourages them uh, how God is going to empower them and use them and work in them to do great things. And so first we look at, I'm going to jump to verse 4. And when he says, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. He's basically saying that we can find joy in Jesus in the midst of our stressful situations. There's joy in knowing the power of his resurrection. If you've been reading along with us in Philippians, if not, that's all right. I will remind you that Paul earlier talks about how he wants to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Early before that, he talks about how even though he's in chains, he has joy knowing that Christ is being preached. What I want to encourage you to understand that there's going to be times in our life that we may not be in the ideal situation, but trust in God to know that he is able to still give us joy no matter what we're going through. Paul is in change for preaching the gospel. The church is concerned because he's in prison for preaching the gospel, but he's encouraging them and letting them know that regardless of my situation, I am okay because God is still using me and able, hallelujah, to strengthen me to preach the gospel to all those that I meet in my current situation. What I'm encouraging you is that 
people might be watching and observing you. How are you handling the stressful time in your life? How are you dealing with the uncertainty of job security, of COVID-19, and, and the social unrest? What are you doing to keep your mind at peace? And you can let them know that I'm finding joy in Jesus. Another way to think about joy is J-O-Y, Jesus over you. As long as I got King Jesus, everything is going to be all right. I thank you, Jesus. And so the joy is from not a, a place that I have achieved, but the joy is in the space that I am in. So I am in Jesus. I'm in him. And that's where I find my joy. I have joy knowing that salvation is mine. Jesus is mine. Well, you know peace by knowing the prince of peace. You know that you're no longer at war with God, but you're at peace with God because God has reconciled us through Jesus Christ. And we have a sense of peace and commonality now in this relationship through the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of atmosphere the church should be able to reflect when we come together and then how we ought to demonstrate that to others in the world or what it looks like to have joy regardless of the darkness that's around us when we got light inside of us let us be the light of the world and so rejoice always again i say rejoice john 15 11 jesus says i have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy yes your joy will overflow. I'm glad we have a God of abundance that he promised us to have joy that will overflow. That means that if I'm running low, that's because it's my fault that I got away from the fount. So let you get closer to Jesus and, and allow him to overwhelm you so that your cup will overflow with his joy. I'm telling you this because this is from John 15 chapter verse 11, but in that same 15 chapter, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we are running low, we got to check our connectivity and make sure we are connected to the one that is our source, our supplier, our sustainer, and that is Jesus. And you will know peace in this great reflection in him. You will no longer be at War, but you have peace because you have confessed and accepted uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not only does he give this imperative one of to rejoice um, in the Lord. This is an imperative, the command he gives them in the church to rejoice on the Lord. And that's a theme he's been building on that you can look through this time of this letter. How many times he talks about rejoicing, having joy and having this kind of sense of gladness, of praying and interceding and serving God. But also he wants them to be known by their gentleness. In verse uh, chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Let your gentle spirit uh, be known to all men. The Lord is near. Uh, when he's talking about a new living translation, it kind of says this. It says, Let everyone see that you are considerate. In all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. So when you look at this word in the Greek is being translated to be gentle in spirit or to be uh, considerate. It's also defined as being uh, gentle. Uh, it's also defined as being fair, just, kind, courteous, tolerant, 
not insisting on every right of letter of law or custom. Uh, basically in the sense of humility, basically in the sense of courtesy, that when we are as walking as Christians, we are the ones that set the example of how to be humble, how to be courteous, how, how to be courteous, how to be fair, and how to be just. And definitely in a moment of this time right now, right, where we see so much injustice in our world that has been allowed and permitted, uh, whether it be through litigation or whether it be through customs or trends, that how we as Christians can change the norm by showing people what fair looks like, what just looks like, how we are not using terms that are slurs and degrading towards men and women and different ethnicities. But instead, we're speaking words of love and compassion and gentleness and kindness. So Paul is saying to the church that let everyone see how the Christians are considerate, are gentle and kind to one another. Think about how the church should be the example for all people to be welcomed and all people to be loved and accepted. If the church can get this together, imagine how this can be infectious and come and, and spread around our community and our culture and our world, that the church can be a place that all people are who love God come together and show that they love God. It's one thing to say, but are we going to do it? Uh, we need to walk it out. We need to act it out. We can't just say, I love everybody, but I only speak to some people. Uh, we can't say that I have no uh, biases and prejudice, but yet I have these implicit biases that I walk out daily in my life because I'm fearful or afraid of certain people because of customs or traditions that have been ingrained in us. We are being conditioned in this world in such a way that we do things without even thinking about it because our world has conditions. So we have to retrain our mind and open up and realize because someone's melanin in their skin and their ethnicity is different than mine does not make them lesser than, but we all are God's image. And we were created in God's image. And we ought to reflect it out. So walk out your life before all others so you belong to Christ. Let the love of God that is in you be seen. If it is in you, then it should be shown to all who you encounter. This should be done with great anticipation of the Lord's return because the ever presence of God's spirit. And we want to be able to usher people into the kingdom as we're walking as citizens in the kingdom and say, hey, in the body of Christ, there is no Jew or Greek. There's no, no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free. That we are all one. And so maybe act like that now because that's what it's going to be like in the kingdom. And so let us not be segregated here when we ought to be unified here because we're going to be unified there. The church to set the example of what is a follow after Christ. Paul encourages the church of Philippi to work in unity and love. When people outside the church see the church, they should see a different lifestyle from the world that reflects the teachings of Jesus. The gospel should bring forth transformation in our lives because of the change, the transformation that's happened in us and through us because of Christ working within us. The third principle he gives to us is do not be anxious. But there's a qualifier there. Philippians 4, 6 says it this way, New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. To be anxious and to be troubled, um, to be worried and have so many cares and your issues. And sometimes we talked about earlier that uh, I can be anxious because I'm just worrying myself about things I can't control, things that I have no control over. And so if I can remove 
this worry and this anxiety and allow faith to take its place. My faith is my confidence and my belief in God to provide for his children as he said he would in his word. Therefore, I won't be anxious about anything, but I will pray. I will have my dependence and trust in God. I, I will pray and lift these problems. That's where it gets the word supplication. So with urgency, I'm going to make my request known. Prayer is our communication with God. Knowing God is to know that he hears our prayer and that we can be in constant communication with God. See God by having a habitual prayer life. And, and, and make this a habit, you have to set a standard in your own life, whether it be in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening, that uh, you continue to have a moment of prayer throughout the day. You can do breath prayers also throughout the day. A breath prayer is just simply saying, Lord, I need you, or Lord, forgive me, I am a sinner. And these are prayers that can keep us depending and let us know our humility, our, uh, recognize our humility and our stance in the presence of God, that we are not worthy, but by his grace and his mercy. And so when we are operating in this prayer life, it positions us in a humble place that we are depending and trusting in God more than our sense. So it removes my worries, it removes my anxiety, because I have no control. I cannot change the seasons. I cannot change the conditions. But yet I can let God, who is able to speak to the winds, obey his command. I, I can speak to God that he can make the dead to rise and the blind to see. So if he can do that, then he can show no change my situation for the better. So let me trust in him and, and believe in him while I'm on this earthly journey to make everything all right. And so we need to seek him and, and, and have this prayer life. And stay in prayer. And it says, do it with thanksgiving. Give thanks with a grateful heart. A thankful heart. Thank God that he hears our prayer. Thank God he heard my despair and cry. That I, you know, the good old song, I love the Lord because he heard my cry. We ought to thank him that we are not far from him. But yet his, his, his arm is able to reach us. His ear is able to hear us. Our God is not some idol that is unable to speak and move, but our God is able to move in an awesome, tremendous, magnificent way. And that's why we have the joy. Hallelujah. I heard that right there, right? That joy of knowing that I can call on him and he can move. And speak to me and help me. And this is what it's going into that when I make my urgent request known to God with thanksgiving, here's the beautiful thing that He already knows what I am need before I come. And so this helps me to remove my anxiety and my worry, knowing that my God already knows what I'm in need. So I come with a hope and an expectancy uh, for my God to provide for me what I need. Matthew 6 and 8, when Jesus teaches us the, the model prayer, the Ahada prayer, where we say, Our Father who art in heaven, before he gets to this principle of teaching, he makes it clear to them that he does not want us to pray like hypocrites, using repetitious words and trying to be boastful and, and proud in front of people, but just humbly come to God with our supplication. And, and he says it like this in Matthew 6, 8, it says, Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. He still wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. He wants us to 
come before him and make our requests known. He wants us to depend on him and trust him and not just take it for granted, but thank him for being our provider, for being our protector, for being our preserver, for being the Lord our God, that he is awesome, he is a giant, he's our provider, he is our sword, our shield, he is our strength. And so we can come to him with thanksgiving. And it enables us to release that stress and release that burden. Again, what Jesus says, come, ye all ye are who are or heavy burden. And he says, you can find rest. Hallelujah. Rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is like, come and sit under my teacher. Find rest for your soul. And so God's response to us, that when we can rejoice always, again, I say rejoice, and that we can uh, be anxious for nothing, but all things submit our, our prayers uh, with supplication. We can make our requests known. And then we will learn that we will have peace. We will have peace. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And so as we are following these uh, principles of, of, of not being anxious, of rejoicing and let everyone know that we are being gentle and considerate. God is going to do this for us and give us his peace. But again, the principles again is rejoice, be considerate to all people, and don't be anxious, but prayer with thanksgiving, making your request known to God. And then he goes on and says that, verse 7, then you will experience new living translation. God's peace will succeed anything. And when it gets to this word that how God's going to guard our hearts and our minds, now this term is a military term that describes armed forces protecting and guarding against a hostile invasion. Therefore, to show how God's peace will actively guard our hearts against the enemy, this is a result of us trusting in Him in humble prayer. The enemy is trying to attack us and get us, but God says, I'm going to guard you. I'm going to protect you uh, from the, the, the seas of doubt. Um, the enemy is trying to come against you. When we're using the spiritual armor that God has given us, we have the shield of faith that can distinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And so when we are trusting in God, we're, we're allowing the, the, his faith, God's strength and trust in us because he's given us his faith and the shield, his armor that's going to protect us from the 